Welcome to the Talking About Life podcast. I am your host, Ian Lepkowski. My Twitter handle is at K-O-W-S-K-Y underscore E-T-H, as in the first three letters of Ethereum, and my E-N-S is Kowski.eth. We always start the show by being thankful and grateful for the source energy, the universe, than yourself that there is then we also obviously need to thank the guests the show can't happen without the guests and grateful enough to have my codex on our show uh their twitter handle is at dolly g llama um so that's at d-a-l-i-l-a-m-a their twitter bio reads speaker of good food me too <laughs> uh soundscape design Web3 Alters, Creative Coding, Empathy, One of One NFT at a time, and then also a link to the brand bio in the Twitter profile bio. Like, uh, X, how are you doing today? How are you doing in general? And if you want to just add, you know, anything else uh, beyond the Twitter bio, go ahead. Um, hello, good morning, a good afternoon from San Francisco right now. I'm trying to find a quiet spot in this hotel that I have a gym at, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be a little buzzy. I'm doing really well. I'm actually feeling just very, not energized, but like more like calm, like trying to calm before any storms may approach type energy. Um, yeah, calm is, calm is good. Yeah. Now, the show is uh, about passion and positivity here, so we'll definitely jump into what gets you going, what gets you fired up. One question I do want to ask, though, uh, I'm interested. What is this PFP, this profile picture you got here? It's like this, um, I don't know, light, god, goddess kind of image. Um, what what you want to tell me about a little bit about that? Yeah, so really quickly, when I was in New York, one of the first uh, digital paintings, or what it's what I'm going to call it, because I literally brick for brick of... All right, I could hear okay, you now again. now I'm off whatever Wi-Fi dilemma that was happening here. Great. All good. Um, so, yeah, it was one of my first digital paintings that I did in 2012. Um, it was a selfie that was then uh, I scanned it in or I downloaded it from my digital camera and then just started editing. And I was just working on Illustrator and Photoshop at that time and really just had the mindset to do like a hand, you know, woven type piece, but digitally. Um, there was a lot of visual artists that were like influencing me at that time that were doing a lot of projection art, a lot of experimenting with, uh, digital media. So I felt like this was my first, you know, introduction to that. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So did you grow up doing any art or were you always artistically inclined? So I was a musician first, uh, studied music pretty much my up to 18 years old was just like studying music theory. Um, I played a lot of different instruments and really right now I would consider myself a vocalist and producer more than, you know, a pianist or anything like that. But, um, definitely music was the first line of point of entry for art and art sort of came into play. Like visual art came into play more when I moved to New York. Um, and so, and you both play and write music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have, um, like where do you where could people hear your music? So my SoundCloud right now is listed as Chiron C H I R O N, 
Centauri, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-I. I have these complicated sort of like, you know, ways of finding my name, these underscores and all that. It's, it's really sort of a, a process for me if people are really interested in finding certain things, you find a way. Um, it's like an intentional kind of filtration system. Yeah, so to speak. exactly. Uh, the Chiron Centauri SoundCloud now is sort of a holding space for a lot of my ideas that are going in musically. It has uh, selected tracks from my previous projects. Glue was one of the, the names that I had for a long time. Uh, G L U U U U, for use. And it was just kind of this this transition moment where a lot of the songs were just you know me performing live and then coming back into the studio listening to the live recordings and uh putting together songs based on live improvisations and then going back on stage and reworking them um and now a lot of production stuff is is sort of put on hold you know these these things come and go they enter our lives we make music when it flows and then when it's not in flow we I, I go into something else if it's visual art or even more academic sort of uh, philosophy and astrology and how to like merge those two. So for now on Twitter, I'm mostly astro philosophizing, not necessarily like casting horoscopes or, or like giving full readings. I'm more sort of dissecting what astrology is for us now. It's very much a niche still but people are very interested in in that niche so kind of like moving with the times and and taking that system if we're running a lot of systems through a sort of like vetting machine i don't know what's happening right now in the world with everything that's sort of in upheaval um i feel like astrology also needs a fair like assessment and uh yeah that's basically where i'm at right now so everything sort of informs everything the music informed the art. I got exposed to the art. And now I'm just like in this other realm right here, right now with you. And just like uh, life, everything connects, mm -hmm. right? Now, question I have for you, because um, you said a lot of different interesting things here. You're, you said um, your, your name is uh, Chiron Centauri. Centauri, I'm thinking Alpha Centauri, maybe like a star system. Yeah. Like, what is, what is Chiron? I mean, yeah. you know, Shakespeare once said, what's in a name that which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet. But really, that's about meaning. So what do those exactly. words mean? Like what, so, what's it all so about? So Twitter, this, this year, I've taken Twitter to a different level for me. It was something that I, I it was more like a, a brainstorming site for, for the time being, where I would put out different ideas and see what stuck, see what was like clicking with people. And I met someone who was really into the NFT space. He's a coworker of mine. So I, we would have these conversations about NFTs. We would have these conversations about art and NFTs, and then also just promoting and being enthusiastic about ideas and how that pushes. So marketing and, and all that, which I'm also pretty familiar with just in general. Um, so I was piecing together ways to present ideas on Twitter that would really uh, connect people to what I was talking to. And it would just not be another Astro Twitter account um, that was just chiming in with another whatever, uh, just interpretation. It was more, I wanted to really give some hope and some inspiration um, that didn't 
close people or cage them into an idea or a system. Sometimes astrology feels a little too fixed um, and people don't like that. I, at least I personally would like to feel that I have some sort of control or maybe not control, but like a choice. I do have a choice in how my life sort of pans out. Um, so I combined my resources in the spiritual realm and am playing with tarot to sort of storytell and provide, you know, lines of story for people to sort of jump into or jump out of how to like troubleshoot life with all of this mythology, new mythology that you can create with your own life. Um, and then Twitter became, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's kind of, I feel like it's a, an echo chamber and I wanted to really, Wait, hold on. Before, before, um, let me cut you off for a mm -hmm. second. So Chiron Centauri specifically, yeah. like, so did you try a few different things and landed on that? And like, where did you even pull these terms? From? Yes. So broken hearts is where I started. So I, I came up conceptually with broken hearts radio, which would be me getting on Twitter spaces and really stream of consciousness, starting to talk and talk about all of my ideas without any thought that maybe if people came into the space, it was fine, but it really was just me just, you know, spewing my, my whatever coming out of, of my shell and just really just exposing the ideas out into the ether. And then from broken hearts radio, things started sort of coming out of that. And one of it was my physical practice, which was my gym practice. I found a way to connect my gym practice and, titled it Wounded Warriors. And in the realm of astrology, Wounded Warriors is connected to Chiron. And Chiron is a, a small dwarf planet in the system of Centauri. And Chiron itself in mythology is the Wounded Warrior and um, representative. Well, is Chiron just a planet or also an entity? Um, it, 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 in mythology, it is an entity. He's the, the king of the centaurs. Um, and he is the one that, that sort of leads everyone into battle. Um, so he himself is also a centaur exactly, in the mythology. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then, but he's just the king of the centaur. So he's like the, the prime centaur or whatever. And then Centauri was just the system, the star system. And I felt like everyone I was connecting to with at work had some, some form of like, wound or like past trauma that they were dealing with and we were all sort of here at the same time together and wounded warriors could be this project that i could encourage people to take that first initiation of that step of initiation which is your body and really getting in tune with your body and that was one sort of offshoot from broken hearts from just me talking oh. in twitter spaces to myself it sort of came out of that yeah so i'm interested in the mythos a little bit here so my understanding of the wounded warrior um archetype if you call it mm -hmm. that is you know you come into the world you know uh you have like a soul contract or like a soul mission or whatever people call it where you come in with some sort of like trauma something bad happens to you a death like uh, an abuse of some sort maybe uh something like mm -hmm. that and then you know your soul mission kind of thing is to heal that wound for yourself and then through learning how to heal that wound for yourself like 
you you become like someone who could heal wounds for others and fight for others and then you become this like warrior healer that fights for others who had like a same or similar wound as you or maybe even different types of wound mm -hmm. like you know if you get really good at it kind of thing um is that something like does that correlate with like your perspective of wounded warrior yeah. and then also like what's the i don't know the story of chiron like why is why is chiron a wounded warrior um so let's see hold on one second. i'm gonna go into my um so if you when you cast your birth chart you can find chiron in your birth chart and that's kind of a, a you find out where in your birth chart it lies and it's just, once you can identify where that energy is in your life, it becomes a little easier to figure out where the trauma is in your own personal life and what keeps, keeps coming up that needs to be sort of corrected. Why is this lesson coming up over and over again? That's probably Chiron sort of presenting itself in, in one's life. Um, so for me particularly, it's in my fifth house of vital force and expression and magnetism and sort of that being wounded in my life at some point to where you know and that could that could represent your throat chakra you know having having trouble really advocating for oneself um these this the mythology of chiron it's interesting because i kind of do things so intuitively that i kind of get ahead of myself and don't go to the to what you're talking to, which is the myth of the actual. So in my process, I find that the way that I proceed with things is, is a little bit erratic, but it's, it's sort of necessary for me to flesh it out in this uh, not as direct way. So if you're thinking about reading a map, maybe I'm not taking the most direct route. So the mythology of, of Chiron, let's see. It's from the Iliad, Homer's Iliad. And it's, it's about how Chiron was the wisest and most just. So he brought the wisdom and the justice to the centaurs who were maybe just, you know, they, they were, centaurs are generally very like, not really worried about serious issues necessarily. They're all about having fun, playfulness, rolling around, just it, that's their energy and sort of wrangling. It's like wrangling cats, <laughs> if, if that makes even more sense into our, you know, wrong. so yeah, it. so Chiron being the, at the head of the centaurs, and this is my intuition, and I'll go back, I have the mythology right in front of me, but I like playing with the myth mythology and how I feel yeah, about it. I, I looked it up as you were talking about it too. So Chiron was wounded accidentally by Heracles's arrow coated with the poisonous blood of Hydra. Mm -hmm. The unbearably painful wound was incurable, but Chiron, a mortal because of his divine ancestry, could not die. Mm -hmm. The agonized centaur roamed the earth and continued to heal the sickly and the injured as the wounded healer, a cultural archetype. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that, that definitely lines up. So taking all of that, and it's like intuitively I know this, and it's it's hard to express how I know it. So hence the Twitter space is where I'm. I start off in the stream of consciousness, and eventually get to the to the bottom of what you just expressed right here, which is the 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 prime idea, right? Um, as I like go into my stream of consciousness. That's where I find healing. So this, this wounded warrior for me, if it's in my throat chakra, it was important for my process to vocalize everything that was in my mind, experiences, um, 
personalities that I've, I've been encountered with, relationships that have come up multiple times, issues that have come up multiple times. And in that process, I was able to find the concept of the wounded warrior. It kind of just popped into my head. So for you, for you, your mission is on some level to speak up, speak up for yourself, maybe speak up for other people, get the message out at a time where maybe, you know, you're witnessing an event and maybe in a past life or in the past in this life, you felt like you should have said something and you didn't, right. you know, going forward, you need exactly, to. Exactly, exactly. And just really holding myself accountable to that calling and really listening to what it is that I need in my life in order to, uh, to be able to spread that positivity. Because you can't, without it being inside of you first, you need to like really like infuse yourself with it in order for it to, to come out in a natural right. way. To fill another cup, yours first must run a There you go. Now, this may sound like a funny question, but I mean it seriously. When I encounter people who are into astrology, some people are into it as a hobby or an interest or a study and other people have powers. Do you have any powers? Um, I feel I do have powers of intuition that I'm harnessing right now and the power of the word to heal. So the words themselves sort of bringing um, a change of perspective in a way that is not harsh or negative or like putting someone else's theories or ideas or belief systems down in order to raise mine up. So it's not about like bulldozing or anything like that. It's more about really finessing the word and, and, and making it a gentle battle as opposed to this like all out brawl against humanity. Um, because I mean, as much as we want to really, really, really be catalysts for change I think we need we need a little bit of, of that love for each other. Um, everyone's hurting. Everyone. Everyone is, is in pain. Everyone wants to feel comfortable. Everyone wants to stop feeling uncomfortable. And, you know, we have to just find ways to, to figure that out. And there are people out there in the world who will do the, the hard battling. That's what I'm, I'm struggling with now is like, is it going to be black and white? Is it going to, is my choice, you know, to advocate for any cause going to be black and white? And if it is, you know, am I ready to, to fully take on the like sword of, of the, the, when you, when you present in tarot, the swords always present the cutting and the, the, the communication, right? So once you know where you can draw that power from, then you can really, cut and 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 like with your words change uh in really dramatic ways but what i'm figuring out now is is whether or not is it a finessing like a sword that cuts through butter because the sword is just like on fire or is it going to be a sword of like it's going to draw blood you know what what am i actually trying to cut through um i don't know i don't personally i don't i, I would shy away from drawing exactly blood. I don't know blood exactly that's what you're trying to draw but would, that's what i'm saying that's that. what i'm saying there's a lot of people i would be a sort of light the shining right sword, the... right just the that holding that sword in itself is enough to illuminate exactly 
Like that one uh, in Harry Potter, and then it, the phoenix like comes out of it or mm-hmm. something, or is attracted to it, or I forget the exact story. But the one that's associated with like the phoenix and uh, rebirth and renewal, that I think that's the yeah. One and 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 another way, you know, beyond words. Once we get those words and we speak our truth, then it's all action after that, and those actions are what really truly are the example, the illumination of of the uh, of the thought process and the whatever it is I'm trying to push out the message. Um, so yeah, but beginning with love and, and acknowledging that as much love as I've given to the world, there has been a lot of like backlash for offering and being so open and being so vulnerable and, you know, with my love. So broken hearts comes from that. It's, it's, it's healing the, the wound of feeling that love couldn't conquer everything and, and feeling sort of like sad about that, but then also reviving my spirit and, and owning that wound and saying how that, you know, that wound really has made me stronger and where can we like find, draw the strength from and then what parts of our bodies we need to be listening to being completely in tune with our vessel. And once we're in tune with our vessel, it's like, it just starts pouring out. Um, one thing I want to mention, because I feel like, you know, we talk about self-care and we talk about mental health and it's a broken record for a lot of people and it, it doesn't really translate for a lot of people. Everyone's like, sure, I need to go to therapy. Sure, I need to do this. But in reality, there's, you know, deep, deep wounds that, that can't quite be healed in traditional, non-conventional ways. Um, so once you acknowledge that, it's kind of just taking the leap of faith with if it's, you know, going into a shamanistic journey where you get initiated or going um, into an alternate medicine practice um, that don't necessarily have to do with Western medicine. Um, for me in particular, it was the, the, the pivotal point was me deciding that I couldn't, I have a therapist, but it wasn't enough. I've taken antidepressants and that wasn't enough. I've changed my diet, my, my physical routine. That wasn't enough. What else can I tap into? And I'm in San Francisco right now. And it was, I'm so connected to the ether that it just kept popping into my like ads and my feed and my timeline. Um, just ketamine, ketamine treatment. And I know it's not like, kind of a, a strange hybrid of a, of it's, it's not a shamanistic like me going and taking ayahuasca, but in a way it is. Um, have you done that? Ayahuasca I have not done. That's like the one that is my true ancestral, like I have to go to the motherland and I have to do it there. And where's the motherland? Like Peru? Colombia. Oh, Colombia. Yeah. Nice. Uh, hello. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, so once I, I just said to myself, okay, I, I'm going to do this ketamine therapy. I'm going to speak to the psychiatrist, see if this is what I need in my life. And I was ready for it. I needed something. I knew that ketamine was a dissociative. And I knew that I was just feeling so much extreme pain from feelings that maybe weren't totally mine. And... I needed a way to sort of cleanse my, my insides to get 
and reach my own personal trauma and reach my own personal wounds. Um, so it was, it was like this huge scrub, this cleansing of residual energy inside of me. And once I did that and was able to touch down on specific points of interest for me that truly were my feelings, then I was able to, to really do the work that I needed to do. Now, we don't push boundaries on the show, so feel free to say no or yes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to share about the actual trauma you experienced and how you got over it or what the messages were to get you like through to the light? Absolutely. So it took about six sessions because the, the, there's a, a learning curve almost to taking ketamine and, and being in the drug and not being anxious, feeling anxious or feeling scared. There's a lot of imagery that can come up that can be very uh, jarring. The feelings of like takeoff almost like, a, you know, you're on a roller coaster that's navigating through your mind navigating through your thoughts. Um, so you literally feel like you're flying in space in a way. Uh, so all of the things that we associate with, with that physically happen as well. So once we get over that hump of like the physical being sort of scared and, and we get into that, we've trained for maybe three or four sessions at around the fifth and sixth session where I'm at like 350 milligrams of ketamine, I was able to touch down and the outside world, whatever triggered me sonically, it was a sound. I was listening to a very specific album by Odessa. <laughs> and I, I can look it up because there's, it's a very, very specific like inner journey type song or, or album structure. And it hit a trigger point sonically and I started weeping, which was natural. You know, it's just the process, you know, you're, you're, pushing trauma out. So it's, it's going to manifest in a physical way. And once I hit the trauma point, I was in such distress that my husband came to me and he's like, are you okay? Who's trying to soothe me? And I took off my eye mask. I unplugged completely. I was back in, in the, my room and, but my room was not my room anymore. And somehow the, I couldn't quite get back to what was physical reality. I was still in the ketamine reality and my husband's consciousness sort of merged with mine as he was like giving me a hug and we were in this womb. So think of like that pink sort of like uterus in utero type image. And we were together and it was like, we were linked and he's a Taurus, uh, which my Chiron is in Taurus. So, I've known for a while that a lot of my trauma healing and had to do with him and how I interacted with him. And so that hug was so deep and interconnected. And I, all I could say at that moment, there wasn't a trauma that appeared or memory per se. It was the words, I'm sorry. And the, these words kept, I kept saying, I'm sorry. And I, in my head could see the different versions of me so the inner child at different points in my life where I was hurt, um, I was going back to that, that part of me and saying, I'm sorry, asking, like giving forgiveness to, and also receiving the forgiveness. Um, so it was like this exchange. I've, you know, apologized to my husband for anything I might have, you know, done to him. And this sort of just interaction of love. And 
so there wasn't a need necessarily to go back to a traumatic, like the actual memory that sometimes, you know, in traditional therapy you do, it was more of just touching on the, the point of like opening myself to forgiveness and opening myself to giving, to allowing forgiveness or to uh, give an apology to a former self of mine that may have been injured or hurt along the way. Um, have you ever heard of Ho'oponopono? No, I don't think so. What? So Ho'oponopono, I don't know everything about it, um, but it's something I saw like a reel about and it's a really cool concept, mm -hmm. but there's like some story that there was like, um, like a doctor, like who was in like a jail, like maybe in Hawaii or something, some island or something. Um, and he was like treating the prison mates. And there's this concept of Ho'oponopono, which is like, so he would sit with them and like he would kind of commune with them. And not exactly what you said with your husband. Obviously, that's deeper and more intimate. But this was this idea of like, like he was trying to give empathy to these mm -hmm. prisoners and like you know, heal them. So he would feel their energy and he would feel like angry like he would feel what they yeah. were feeling like angry frustrated, all this stuff so he would like take that energy into himself and then he would speak to it ho'oponopono which is um thank you please forgive me i love you i'm sorry mm -hmm. and he would just keep giving that energy to these like painful energies and even without like getting to the conversation the energy would shift and then when he started the conversation after like dealing with the energy first, like the healing would actually happen because as you're saying, there is this metaphysical level of the, the energy body and the energy self and the aura where he was working on that level through very similar to what you said. Like for you, it was over and over again. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. But that just makes me think that's that Ho'oponopono energy of, you know, thank you, please forgive me. You know, I love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I think the same vibe. Mm -hmm. No, I'm looking at the, the four steps on there. Gratitude, love, forgiveness, repentance, all of that. And, you know, I was raised in a strict uh, Christian evangelical sort of background. And that really, like, was the catalyst for me leaving at 18. So there's, like, a lot of different points where I still carry the, that message of, like, forgiveness and love and, like. You said that came from what, a Christian mm -hmm. background? So. Okay, cool. So sort of that, like, I am not a practicing Christian because I have, it's very problematic for me. I, I'm, you know, I studied history and I understand it. And I was an activist in New York, like hardcore, just, you know, trans rights and like all of us. So I understand that both worlds can exist, but I feel that there's like this, this gap that that happened so i'll say i'll say for you to maybe help close the gap like there's different types of christianity um i think the one that has the least gap if you're looking to connect christianity to uh like mysticism and spirituality have you ever heard of gnosticism mm -hmm. yeah yeah so gnosticism i think like i don't i don't think they were very like hateful and all that type of stuff or some of this you know against this group i mean or that they, were group. Pushed, gnosticism yeah, they were pushed more of a so go ahead. No, they were they were definitely pushed out um, and forced into exile and forced. Yeah, they yeah. were. That's what I'm saying. They weren't doing what the church does and kind of like discriminating against certain groups in some ways, which I know you're mm -hmm. talking about. Um, they were the ones discriminated against, and they so they were like the outcasts. But they were like the pure um, idea that like it wasn't about the preachers and the pope and the priest. It was like knowledge through self and experience and a direct communion with like source and the energy and God. So I think I think that's more online. Um, but that's like a 
different type of critique. exactly and also like one of the strongest feminist presence uh like the writings of mary magdalene and like just that concept of the divine feminine was actually respected amongst the gnostics um which that's insane to me because it's it's such a a radical concept that still is not fully like accepted it's still met with a lot of like backlash and people hide it better you know it's it's not necessarily like we're going to be blatantly like misogynistic anymore but the sentiments still sort of linger in the in the culture so yeah no definitely narcissism i studied in my early like college years and and was trying to connect my family to a lot of these concepts and it was just like they weren't quite receptive and I sort of put it away in the back burner. I'm like, okay, if I can't quite reach them through this, then I have to just move on. I have to keep going with my own personal journey. Um, so yeah, so Gnosticism, absolutely, 100% agree that that's like intellectually and spiritually, mystically, that's where I, I definitely got a lot of uh, knowledge from. Hell yeah. And I, so that's one of them for me too. And then I was going to ask like, is that the main bridge for you? Or like, what was that experience of like coming from like kind of classical Christianity mm -hmm. to being like, wait, there's like not a white guy with a beard in the sky and that's the only God and there's no female aspect of him. And like women <laughs> like, are kind of like secondary in the Bible and that's just right. And you know what I mean? Like, how did you get away from that? Um, and to where you are now. And like, so Gnosticism was one of the roots. Was that the only one main one? Was there other ones? I'd, I'd imagine based on what you're saying, there, there would be other influences because of the astrology and everything. But so um, being, what, what was yeah. it? So I was um, in a relationship with a very intense illustrator artist and we moved to New York and he was my link to art as divine practice or like connect, connecting to the divine and as someone who was just like super intellectual and just like wanted to like devour books at that point, I was learning art history in school, learning about physically making art with, through my partner and then like going into this other realm of research where I would just find literature that had to do with connecting the divine through art. And I worked at a bookstore. I actually worked at Columbia University, uh, their bookstore for a long time, or not a long time, maybe like two years. And I was just in the section that was like pop science or something. And there were books coming out at a specific time in the two, early 2000s about the golden ratio. Uh, you had angels and demons, uh, which was like this concept of just, you know, are we dealing with these supernatural forces still today? Are these things actually, you know, the Illuminati and all that? I didn't want to go that route. So I, I was like, okay, golden ratio. That's the one we're doing. Studied. Happy Pi Day, by the yes, way. Yes, exactly. So I was like, okay, I have to just read about this because I'm studying art history. And if I'm going to be sort of describing these like, you know, paintings, I got really good at like, you know, we talk about prompts. I was generating prompts about, you know, these crazy pieces in the Met and just sitting for hours just staring at, you know, artwork and really trying to like gain uh, an understanding of where this artist was coming from with their expression. Um, and once I figured out the golden ratio, you know, and, and the back end of how creation is, then I was able to, to like really dive into my own art practice 
And uh, and just just to confirm, we have the same understanding or similar. And uh, for the audience, so golden ratio, it's also fee or phi. Mm-hmm. It's like I think one point six one eight. But the you know the meaning of it is that it's a ratio that's like the ratio kind of of like it's like a secret ratio of the universe and nature where. Like, if you look at the growth of, like, certain plants or, like, humans, like, you know, if you divide, like, the height by, like, um, I don't know, like, your fucking fingernail length mm-hmm, or some, some shit mm-hmm. like that. I'm not doing the right ratio, but, like, if you divide certain ratios, they all come out, like, close to five. Um, people who are the most beautiful, like, you know, celebrities kind of thing, like, you know, every eye of beholder kind of thing. But just statistically, the people who, like, society thinks has the most beautiful faces, mm-hmm. they've done studies on their symmetry, and those are in proportions to phi or fear, this golden ratio. Like, uh, I think, like, solar systems, like, spiral out in this ratio, all these sorts of different types of things. or something with DNA in it. The so Vitruvian Man, the- Da Vinci, you know, sort of creating imagery that would be the connecting, you know, our human body and giving the map of the human body and just saying, this is the map, and now let's interpose or superimpose that map to anything else that we want to sort of have in this alignment. Um, right. Yeah. So then they would do buildings and all mm-hmm. sorts of other art with that ratio. Exactly. Consciously incorporated. Yeah. So in a way, a lot of, yeah, a lot of inspiration from Da Vinci, just his sketchbook and just like really studying art in that more intellectualized way. Um, And in terms of research, again, art practice and and performance was my research point after college. So I studied a bunch of just Jewish mysticism, Jewish history, and then um, astrophysics. I was fortunate enough to be at the university that Michio Kaku was teaching at at the time and was just gaining a lot of oh, that's, oh, I love shout out Mikio Kaku I love that guy he's he's a he's funny he's really interesting um and and he what he taught me was just the the fundamental basics of or the history of planet earth and how we the evolution of man the evolution of nature and then from that basis we then go into the star systems and look at the rest of the planets, how they're evolving and learning about red planets, dwarf planets, white, you know, actually white dwarf planets. Sorry to cut Mm -hmm. you off. I'm just very interested. Did you get into him with all like, like spirituality or like, is he a hundred percent science? Does he believe in any of this like mysticism type stuff or did you not cross that? So he's a theoretical physicist, which means he was, he was very interested in writing about, uh, alternate dimensions that weren't proven in the physical realm yet, but he had these theories that had some mathematical basis up to a certain point. And he was having this dialogue with other professors. Like these books were coming out as points of dialogue, right? So it's like, put the book out, put the the idea out. And you have someone like a Brian Greene come in and discuss and, and, and offshoot his own book. Um, so, he talked about the 12th dimension, which was really something that like I was able to pinpoint in art through Dali and like Dali's expressions of sort of the cross and like him using these concepts of, of like hyperspace and the, uh, the ratios that Kaku was like introducing were all in Dali paintings. So if the golden ratio was a classical interpretation of creation and art, then you have something like Amicho Kaku could be linked to more uh, surrealistic 
expression of creation. Um, <clears throat> and then theorizing on the different evolutionary processes of humanity. He has these like three levels that he talks about, Michio Kaku does, where he said that the internet was this type one human tool that was generated in order for us to link and communicate and, and come together. And through this, this connection, this added connection, we were then able to create other tools that would then help us get off of the planet and really, you know, find other, other locations, just really start traveling outside of planet earth. But now this is another question I had speaking of other locations, where are you with uh, aliens and all hmm. that? So my one uh, moment with the Palladians uh, <laughs> is what I call that. I lived in a house with a, a couple who were channelers and it's just interesting because I was able to just witness, you know, I wasn't fully immersed in it. I didn't want to be fully immersed because I felt like that would cloud my judgment. I wanted to have a fair assessment of the situation and, and give it a chance and not put any judgment or feel any emotion uh, that was going to sway me in any direction. So I was able to witness them channeling. I was able to witness them in their day-to-day -day life and really capture the essence of what they wanted to create with the information that they were downloading and then, you know, giving, you know, offering to other people who were then. So these people were channeling aliens or extraterrestrial mm -hmm. consciousnesses from the Pleiades star system. Exactly. Okay. Um, and what did, what were they like, what was the messages? So there was a lot of just, it, it felt like it was an imbalance to me at that point in my life because it was jumping into these concepts of like love and light really fast. Like if you, they, they were really, really intense and intentional also. It's like about having intentional community. Um, the, the way that you, your intake of, of certain foods, just really, really being strict with it. Um, and also not being strict. So I was having a, a bit of a conflict is like, okay, are the Palladians wanting me to, like it was mixed signals, if that makes sense. But I think at that point, which was like around 2013, it was still unclear how we were gonna make that jump unless you received a, a direct download. The, the message wasn't quite reaching people because people were still in their addiction, in their like, you know, whatever was holding them down to gravity, whatever, you know, they weren't processing, they weren't taking care of their bodies. So yeah, there was like a stricter calling, if that makes sense. That's what the, the channelers were receiving. They were like, well, if we want to get this thing, this show on the road, like whoever is coming to you and hearing the calling has to do these things by the book, like strictly. So they were just more targeting healers. They were targeting people who are going to commit to the cause and really, really be dedicated to it at this very, very early stage. Um, and I, I, I was, was what period in time was that? That was like 2013. So just right after 2012 and people were after the world. Ended. Yeah, exactly. People were already in that mindset. So I felt it was a little too strict for me. I felt like it was like a little bit, like if I wanted to practice any sort of spirituality, I wanted to be able to have a little bit of flexibility um, and a little bit of just patience and maybe a gentler 
introduction into the practice or in, initiation. Um, but then that takes me down a different road because I'm a musician and I, I can connect to that divine source of, of feeling and energy and, and really empathy. And so I, I held on to that belief and I, I continued to practice artistically and I put myself, you know, in the middle of New York and said, okay, what is the message? What is going to come through? And that path actually, you know, I put the Pallades on hold. I said, well, this is maybe not my star system. I acknowledge you and I support you hundred percent in your journey and love and light. I'll see you later. <laughs> and, and sort of went a different direction. Um, and connected with people who had had a, like an alien encounter. And those people were very like, there was trauma points there. I could sense it. I was like, was this an alien encounter? Was this trauma? I couldn't quite figure it out. So for me, a lot of these like um, encounters with UFOs or extraterrestrials may be coming at a time where if, if a child experienced trauma that there could be this access point of some divine intervention saying we're here for you um and sort of like putting light onto this child as protection um and that's my intuition but we we want to believe that there's this like alien force which it's totally possible that you know we have this higher um highly evolved species or consciousness because we don't know if they're traveling bodies anymore we don't know for a fact we can assume or theorize um, or really try to connect and see what what pops up but they could be sending those signals they could be sending those beams of light those those the light in the sky that we see that we experience whatever whatever that alien encounter is can be that so for me with children of trauma I feel like that's what that is, that they've experienced some sort of like divine intervention that has come into their realm because children are so open and vulnerable to it. And then it becomes, you know, defined as alien or like UFO or whatever in a more secular sense or a mainstream sense that sort of doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. Um, well, here, here's the clarification I would mm -hmm. make. Um, it's like an easily missed point, but I think the definition, you know, it's like, you know, feel free to argue, but I don't know how it would be argued. Like an alien and an angel are the same mm -hmm. thing. Like, you know, yeah, I, mean? exactly. like, I don't mean alien little blue men, but like whether it comes from another higher dimension, like bro, heaven is not yeah. earth. So if you come from heaven to earth, you're an, a you're yeah. an alien. Like even if you're an angel, you're an alien. You're anyone who's not from <laughs> earth is an alien. Exactly. You know what I'm so like, like, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's like identifying what it all means. We all want so many definitions. It's, it's, that's where it gets overwhelming. It's like, we have to let the experience just be. So I was trying to just let the experience be and not really define it at specific times in my life. So after the Palladians, I was like, I'm going back to my art practice and see what, what comes up in that art practice. And through performance and having, I had a band called your boyfriend's band sucks. And it was like my my like battle cry for feminism. And it was like mostly girls in my band. And 
we didn't, it was very punk and very like, we don't care if we don't know how to play these instruments. We're getting on stage and we're just going to speak our, our piece and we're going to do whatever we want. And we're going to make art and we're going to have fun with it. And through that performance art, I was able to tap into um, sort of the subculture that was emerging in New York, even deeper than the subculture I was already a part of. So I was in the poetry scene in the Lower East Side at the Bowery Poetry Club, really, really going in with these people, writing for the stage, performing on the stage, workshopping my like crazy performance installations, whatever I wanted to, to present, getting feedback, getting hate, being written about by, by other poets, being like, you know, not supported, but then also being, it's a lot of, you know, all of that that we have to go through in life. And then coming to terms with, oh, wait, I think this, this, this like angst that I have just has to do with, I don't know who I am in terms of my, my gender or my like sexuality. And I hadn't thought about those things ever up until I mean, people would always be like, are you sure you're not gay? And I was like, well, I don't, I could be gay. That's not the issue. It's not like I'm not open to it. I'm, I'm putting myself out there in the world and, and I'm open to it. But there's something else that's not quite uh, fulfilling about just being a gay woman in the world. And it later became very apparent that it had to do with how my body was presenting. And the trauma I had experienced as a girl and being feminine and not feeling safe because, you know, if I wear a skirt, if I wear a skirt to school, there's this fear of like, will somebody lift up my skirt, which happened, you know, I, I experienced a ton of bullying and stuff and, and this like sexualizing of my childhood and my body. And then it's sort of sending me into this, this retreating and, and, and blocking the divine feminine in me. So once I learned about non-binary uh, trans, you know, issues, once I was in that mix, I was like, this is where I needed to be. It, I didn't need to be in this uh, heteronormative sort of experience. I needed to experience this other path. Um, and then that's how I met my I met my husband on Grinder. If that makes any sense to anybody, I'm a at that point when I was on that app. And if, if for no anybody who doesn't know Grinder, I don't know who wouldn't at this point. It's a gay male app, and I was on there as a trans masculine. Uh, you know, I'd been taking hormones, and so the path led me to that. Like once I I, I defined it through my music practice, and I was like, this is my path, and this is what I have to learn right now about myself. Then I started dipping my toes into everything that had to do with the aesthetics of my body and really using my body as a canvas and like, yeah, with my style, with my looks, with my transformations, with anything that would like, that I wanted to see what stuck is what really was happening. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I was delving into that. And in the realm of trans issues and that community that I found, I found what I would say my alien family, my like family from another star system from, from outside of earth. I was then connecting with archetypes that were not just earthly archetypes. There were these, these new creations that we were building together through art. Um, and 
there was, there was some, there was a lot of drug use and I was battling, uh, alcoholism, but I was like putting myself to the test and really just testing my boundaries of my body. And I was seeing the aliens or seeing these extraterrestrial beings and these, these just magical things come in, come into my realm. So that's where my practice took me in terms of aliens. I love it. Now, Light, that was a perfect answer to aliens. I just want to give you a heads mm -hmm. up. We could obviously go for hours. We're both uh, people who are interested in a lot of the same things. We keep going. I do keep the podcast, though, to about an hour. Got it. The last 10 minutes or so, uh, I give the guests the option to either do some sort of call to action or literally whatever the fuck you want if you just want to vibe out. So I don't know if you want to, like, throw out links. Sure. You got a book. You got a course. Some shit like that. Or if not, then literally whatever else you want. So right now I am working on Broken Hearts Radio through my uh, YouTube. My YouTube right now is Strong Light Codex, all one word. Strong, S-T-R-O-N-G, Light, L-I-G-H-T, Codex, C-O-D-E-X. And Codex means book. So it's definitely my life has been a collection of ideas and that's what I want to do through a lot of my playlists that I'm compiling right now. I'm using astrology to organize certain uh, songs that come up. I'm also uh, just opening those playlists for uh, sort of open source editing. If people want to come in and, you know, add their own selections, delete if something doesn't, feel like it's it's representative of a, a positive feeling or the feelings that I'm trying to transmit. And then through Twitter spaces, um, I am also doing Broken Hearts Radio. So the, the YouTube component at Strong Light Codex is you, uh, Broken Hearts Rx. And then the Twitter spaces and anything I post on Twitter is going to be Broken Hearts Radio um, at light underscore codex for Instagram and then at Dolly Glama which is Glama is the name of Dali's wife. Um, and I came up with that name years ago and now it makes absolute sense. <laughs> and that's on Twitter. So at Dali Glama on Twitter. Uh, I thought it was like Dali Lama, but the Dali, Dali G Lama. Lama. I like that. No, I heard Dali, that. Dali, I like that too. Dali Lama. It could be either or. I read it wrong. I, I like yeah. both. Dali G Lama. Um, so yeah. Motherfucker be in the house. And on there, you can find just uh, different tarot uh, readings, intuitive tarot. And then I will step into a realm where I will be more open to doing personal readings, but I'm going to set up a YouTube for that. And that's like the next step right now is setting up the YouTube studio and really just, yeah, opening up there for services so and offerings. I love yeah. it. Sounds good to me. So you heard it here. Check out Light Codex. Heard all the links. If you didn't hear them, this is recorded. Rewind. Replay it again. Type them into your browser, into the search windows. Hit them likes, follows, and subscribes. Get your, you know, astrology game on. Find out about mysticism, spirituality. Open your mind. Expand a little bit. Learn a little bit more here. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to touch on that you said, just throughout my perspective on the thing here, like, I... You know, in the most respectful way, I hate the whole, like, naming of genders and, like, that type of thing's issues. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, I think the best way I could explain it is, you know, you want to identify as a man? Cool. I don't, it, it's not, you know what I mean? My perspective is, like, I don't know if I was that into it. Like, I hate, like, 
like I fill out those things in school and people are like, are you a man, woman? I'm like, yeah, I guess I identify as a male. I'm Kowski. Yo. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Kowski, I happen to have a penis. Do we have, like, who cares? Like, like, if you're asking me if I could reproduce, I, then I could reproduce with a penis. Right. Like, like, ask me that if you got to ask me that. Yeah. That's the question. Am I a man? What the I fuck think you just, I, like, I think you just touched on it. If the question were, can you reproduce? Are, are you capable of reproducing? That's a really, really personal question. And do we need to answer that every time we walk into a space? Other than right, are you you're my doctor? Okay, you should know if I am <laughs> able to. Re- or if you're if you're trying to start a family, exactly. then I I see relevant there. But yeah, I don't. I just you know, am I gay? Am I straight? What does I, it I matter? The guy once in college, it wasn't my favorite thing. <laughs> like I don't know, maybe I would do it again. I don't know, probably not. I'm married now. Like, am I gay? Am I bi? Am I on the spectrum? Fuck off. I'm cows. Yeah. Bro. Like I did this. I did that. Like I. Ugh. Like do whatever you know, and I, so I mean respectful, yeah. right? So if someone else is like, "Well, it makes me feel good to identify as man," great, so fucking do it. But I'm just saying, I've been doing it for years, and I don't know if it's as good as you fucking think. Like, just be yourself. Exactly. Like, do whatever you want, but it's like, fuck that. That doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Like, it, whoever you are, define yourself. Fuck. Don't don't want a definition that was here from the fucking patriarchy and all that shit anyway. Fuck all that. Exactly. I don't know. Like. Do what you want, but I don't well, that's you, you why know I, that's saying. why I kind of I, I vibe with non-binary. I don't like being called non-binary, or or I don't have this like crazy boundary with that. I still accept she and I accept they. Either it doesn't matter because we're living in that time where people want to define things so harshly. Okay, but like I'm not taking any, I'm not having any sort of reaction. I'm not. I think if you want to identify as a fucking dragon, go ahead, dude. We got NFTs, Mm -hmm. bro. Like the fucking driven dragon, Gary Vee shit. Like, bro, people are like, not, not to the, like, I don't know. I've had this thought where it's like, I wonder if there's part of the, like the, the way that society has been opening up about identity in general with the trans community. I'm wondering if some of that is bleeding over into mainstream with NFTs where like, not everybody feels like they're wrong. They're the wrong gender, but they just feel like their image in a mirror isn't defining them. And that's right, why they want to be. Right. And it, it's, it's, you know, and I wonder if some of those people are against the trans people and it's like, well, look at what you're doing. Like, do you see the commonalities in you? So I, I think that's so it. a topic for another, another day would be the concept of the band gorillas. And I highly, highly recommend if you get anything from this podcast, (laughs) go to that album that just came out. It is amazing. They are touching on a lot of points. They were the first band to really exit the live stage and really protect themselves and protect their energy uh, from fame. You have artists like Sia doing it a different way, still using their body but the gorillas really were on the cutting edge of like what we are seeing now with NFTs. They were the originators of that concept. They are cartoons. We don't need to know what they really look like in real life. Why? That's an invasion of their privacy if they don't want to be out like that. Plus we already know, we already know they were, you know, the lead singer was from the nineties. We know everybody. I know everybody, at least the new kids don't, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the fucking gorillas. So yeah. we'll, we'll close yeah. out here. We'll go on that, Matt. Be open to light, positivity. Check out the fucking gorillas. Check out their new album. And then in addition to the call to action, you nailed that. Also do like a last word mic drop thing. So any other than listen, to, is, is it listen to the gorillas? Is that the mic drop um, or any other uh, last word? It's like thing? listen listen to listen to the artists. The artists, I know artists are really hurting right now, NFT folks. They're they're like at odds. But the artists really do have the the connection to the divine. And that's the only, that's what 
the, that's what content is. So just be mindful of content. Content is powerful. Your words are powerful. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Words are powerful. So let's say a few more of them. We always close out kind of the way uh, we come into the show by being grateful and thankful and just echoing that positive energy and the lessons that we learned. So thank to God. Uh, thanks to God, source, universe, the light, you know, the power, the positivity once again for creating that magic that brings me together with like-minded people, people who I can have a conversation with. I've, I've always had a conversation for an hour with whoever comes on the show. I enjoy it every time. I don't know how that works because sometimes I meet people on the train and I don't have a good conversation, <laughs> but everyone who comes to my show does. So I thank God and the energy and the light for making however that happens. Obviously, we, of course, thank the guests. We got Light Codex here. Uh, they got beautiful messages about identity, individuality, light, mysticism, astrology, finding yourself, getting over trauma, uh, healing like on the deeper levels, doing the actual spiritual spiritual work, flow states, energy, meditation, all this, all this and more, light codex, check, check them out, 100%. You heard the links. If you didn't, like I said, scroll back to them. Light underscore uh, codex, which is at D-A-L-I-G-L-A-M-A on the Twitter. And you can find the rest from there. And the last, no, sorry. We also got to thank the listeners. So anyone who popped in and out of the space, thank you so much. Everyone who's listening on the replays, I'll see you in the stats. I love you guys. Uh, You know, Anchor, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please, you know, like retweet maybe maybe call you know a kid that bullied you when you were younger ask him if he's doing okay <laughs> realize that you realize that the reason they were bullying you was that you know they had their own issues and that you know you've healed from yours and have they healed from theirs and then when you get to the end of that be like oh and by the way there's this really cool podcast it's Kowski's talking about life podcast yeah. i don't know maybe i'm just i'm just throwing the idea out there <laughs> just being creative uh, if you didn't enjoy it, and you know, maybe don't do that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe find another podcast. Don't just keep listening if you didn't like it. That's crazy. Um, but if you did, I love you. I love you for listening. And the last words we uh, always close out on here. It's a message from my friend Apakasi Brand on Twitter, who runs the Barbershop Spaces, who helped me find my voice. You were talking about your uh, throat chakra mm-hmm. and how your uh, kind of mission is speaking up and finding your voice. I don't know, you know, my birth chart. I don't know if that's exactly in mind. But Apakasi was one of the people who let me in this space and come up and speak and help me find my voice to start my own podcast. So we throw some love to him. And his message is, if you haven't heard it today, you are loved. It's a beautiful fucking message. It inspires me. I love his positivity. And I believe there's light and dark in the world, as we said. But I also believe in oneness. And I believe that oneness, another name for it other than God, is love. It's pure love itself. Love created the Big Bang, I believe. Love creates babies. And you are the conscious force of love, conscious and incarnate and walking around. That's one way to see it. It's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. And that's, folks, if you haven't heard it today, you are loved.